Amanda and I'm Kristen and we are the extra sisters so sit back relax and let's get creepy welcome to another hype episode in this hype episode we're going to talk about a Guillermo del Toro film that's directed produced like you know a lot of films with del Toro were like he's a producer you know yeah like we had antlers recently right but del Toro directed produced and wrote this and he produced this alongside Bradley Cooper as well uh, who is the main character in this film, but we are going to talk about Nightmare Alley. And talking about this, would I consider this a horror film? Mm, it's maybe under a subgenre of some type of horror. I would say maybe a psychological thriller. That's kind of what I said to Connor is I'm not even like, this is very much like a period drama piece more like than a, it is horror. Yeah, like a noir drama Definitely. for sure. But still very much has those psychological thriller aspects of Del Toro playing with grief and death and some very dark themes, you know. Very dark. Like, they end up basically kidnapping a man, multiple men, to be a certain person in this freak show. Like, that, I thought that was more where we were going to go with the horror aspect of it, but they kind of, they didn't follow that through to a scary conclusion. No, this was not scary at all, actually. Mm-hmm. It was very, this is a, a very much, the best way I can describe this film is a slow burn. Yes. I didn't, like, I didn't hate it at all. I really liked it, but I would not consider this horror at all. I'm so, it was so interesting because we actually went and saw this together and we didn't say a single fucking word <laughs> to each other about how we felt about it. No. <laughs> and so I was so interested to see how you feel or like how you felt because mm-hmm. i thought it could have gone either way honestly for either of us yeah i think there's definitely some things that i wish they had done more with like so i'm just gonna get right into it if anybody's interested in this film i mean del toro is still amazing even if it's not horror i would say it's beautifully shot it's beautifully directed amazing actors so definitely worth the watch so if you don't want to hear anything else definitely go but after you've left now there is a point basically right in the beginning of the film where bradley cooper buries his father under the floorboards of the house and burns it down and you keep coming back to that as like his trauma with his father and because you keep coming back to it i expected something a lot more than just he left the window open so that he would freeze to death like that was it like he was going to do something a little bit more brutal to murder his father is kind of what you were thinking. Yeah, or like we would see more of the scene, but basically we just see him opening the window and taking the blanket off his dad, and then that's it. And then we're just like, oh, okay, now we know that he killed his father. It was so sad, though, that poor old man. It was, but there were a lot of things like that where it almost felt like two separate movies sometimes. Like they didn't follow one to a conclusion enough for me like there's there's a major part of the film where they're at a freak show that was awesome 
then they kind of leave the freak show and they go more into like psychological stuff. Like he's talking to this therapist and he becomes a mentalist and he's basically duping people, bringing back their loved ones, quote unquote. I feel like those were two separate movies that they did. Yeah, he's he's definitely a fraud. It's almost like he he is a he's conning people and he's being a horrible person. Mm-hmm. But he almost kind of meets his match is kind of how like I felt about it, you know. Definitely, but also I'm still confused on why she even turned on him. Why? Like Well, I think she was still scorned about the him calling her out in front of all those people. Oh, definitely, but holy like I don't know like they are basically conning these rich billionaires together he and this therapist that he finds and then at the end like he kills this guy and the guy's bodyguard and like he's a wanted man and he needs this money to get away and he goes to her and instead she fucking turns it all around on him and this whole time she's been there for him and it just I don't know it felt too sudden for me like i feel like they should have built it a little bit more but i get it the long con mm-hmm, exactly that's what she was yeah yeah there's it's definitely feels a little disjointed through some of the pieces mm-hmm. because it is a very long film like yes. it's like what two, two hours 20 or something like yeah. that yeah and so I didn't actually really know much about this film going into it other than it was a Del Toro film. I w- am going to show Same. up for anything he does. Same. And the trailer even was very disjointed. It was, you really didn't know what was going on. So the trailer isn't even a very good outlook on this film. But holy fucking shit. This cast Amazing. is so star So You have Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett, Ron Perlman, Tony Collette, like... Holy shit. So good. And you also have the only other thing too is you have like Bradley Cooper's character getting into a freak show, learning tricks of the trade, meeting another mentalist, figuring out that he can actually make a living out of this because he is really intelligent. He's attractive and he can really play people really well, you know? Mm-hmm. And he meets Rooney Mara's character. Her name is Molly. And really has a thing for her. And the only reason you really get is that they're both just attractive people. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's not a lot of depth to their relationship either. No. Which I wish they would have done a little bit more on that because it felt like she almost felt and like you felt like she was a pawn to him the whole time. But in the beginning, he really did have feelings for her. You just didn't really understand other than that she was pretty. Why? You know, mm-hmm, absolutely. She what was drew them like together? The token romance. Exactly. And yeah. you just kind of have to like, okay, that's whatever. You know, that's mm-hmm. fine. But sometimes it pays a little, pays off to get a little bit more about a character than that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you meet Kate Blanchett's character, Dr. Lilith Ritter, who is the psychologist. And she knows all about everybody in this town, I guess. She's one of the only psychologists or doctors, or at least she is to the rich people, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's feeding him secrets. So this judge had a son die in the war and the wife didn't want him to go off and they fought about that. And so now he is acting as a medium, which he is not. And that's how he's conning people. 
Right. And it definitely draws back to the freak show, which is the first half of the movie, a lot because the people that he originally meets at the freak show definitely tell him, don't do that. Don't ever con people like that. Like, There's even a point where Tony Collette's character accidentally has to do that to like keep the show going. And she literally pulls the woman aside afterwards and says, sorry, I didn't actually see your dead brother. He wasn't actually touching your shoulder. I apologize. It was just to keep the show going. And she's literally told him, don't do it. Don't ever play the spook show. And that's exactly what he ends up doing. And I love that this is like, is it horror and is it ghosts like the devil's backbone or the orphanage? No, but Del Toro is still very much playing with death and grief here. Mm -hmm. It's just in a different way and kind of through a different lens, you know? Definitely. Like Bradley Cooper's character tells the grieving mother here that, you know, they'll eventually be back together with their son. And he assumes that that's going to make her feel better. I, in the audience, am also sitting there going, she's going to fucking kill herself. And that that ends up happening. Murder-suicide, ma'am. Yep, she kills her husband and herself so that they can all be together again. Dude, you gotta right. be careful what you fucking say. Right. I mean, think about it. If you've lost anyone really close to you, you know... And someone comes along, and you see this with medium shows. I mean, look at Long Island Medium on TLC. When that show came out in, I don't know, 09 or whatever, 2010, she fucking took off mm -hmm. because she was doing readings and connecting people to their loved ones or whatever, or so she said she is. And people, she had a waiting list for years for private readings because people are so desperate. Mm-hmm. To connect with their loved ones. So they're going to hinge on every single word you say. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't surprise anyone <laughs> that they would right. commit suicide to, if somebody said they're right there all the time with you. And all you have to do is fucking die to be with them, you know? Exactly. Somebody that you wholeheartedly believe is in touch with the other side. Okay. And why wouldn't you? He's saying all the right things. Mm -hmm. Knows names, knows Places, those conversations you've had because of the therapist on the other side feeding you information. Yes. Which there were a few pieces that maybe a smarter person than I would understand a little bit better. Like part of me is like, oh, she's just a vindictive bitch and never liked him in the first place, which is why the therapist turned on him. But then there's another part of me. It's like, did I miss something? Is there something a little deeper than that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but the other person that he messes with is just this powerhouse of a man. Like he's basically Jeffrey Bezos of the forties. Right. But he's very dangerous and yes. he lost his fiance, wife, girlfriend. I don't really know. I don't remember when he was young and he hires this, our, our main character, Bradley Cooper to channel his loved one. And, the therapist even says, you don't you don't want to fuck with this guy. Do not do it. But Bradley Cooper's character keeps pushing the envelope further and further and further. And Tony Collette's character even pulls a tarot, like pulls tarot for him and says, uh, no, this is not going to end well for you. Right. Which was interesting. Because he doesn't fucking believe in that shit when he's doing that shit. And he's, you know, calls himself a fraud, but he doesn't believe her when she's like, hey, don't do this. 
when he's seen, I mean, they've gone through this before, you know, Mm -hmm. this is who he learned it from. And she's saying, Hey, don't fucking do this. Well, he's obviously going to do it. He's going to pay a major price, but so he does it and he puts his wife at major risk by making her pose as this major wealthy, dangerous, rich person's dead wife. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't go according to plan. He ends up killing the rich guy because he won't get, you know, he's figures out that they're a fraud and ends up being a murderer. And like you said, becomes the wanted man. Yeah. But before even that, back at the freak show, they, when he starts to fall in love with her and he's like, we're running away and all of that. They keep alluding with Ron Perlman's character that he's going to do something bad to Bradley Cooper because he will protect this girl because he knew her dad and he's he's going to protect her. So you're sitting there going, okay, Bradley Cooper is going to hurt her somehow. And then, because the title of the movie is Nightmare Alley. And at the freak show, you find out that there is a geek character, which that was always the person that didn't speak, was quote-unquote raised by wolves type of character, and they would eat live chickens. That was their thing in a freak show. And what Bradley Cooper finds out is that they are actually drunks that are lured to the freak show and are then drugged into staying there, basically. They are given opium, and they don't ever want to leave, and they're going to eat a live chicken just to get their next dose type thing. So they're basically kidnapped. Well, you're assuming that Ron Perlman's going to do something to Bradley Cooper if he fucks with this girl. And then that's where the Nightmare Alley piece is going to come in. Like, he's going to end up the geek. That doesn't ever happen. Like, he never really hurts her. She kind of just leaves eventually. So I feel like that's another thing where they just, like, put it there and then didn't do anything with it. Yeah, I was happy when she just, she decides to leave at some point because she's not comfortable with what's happening. And then he lures her back. And I'm like, girl, you were so close. Mm -hmm. But it goes to show how just, like, manipulative he is, you know. Yeah, it still, I mean, it still doesn't matter. She does eventually just leave. And I'm not saying I wanted her to die, but I feel like that would have been something. Something for us as the audience to grieve. Because... Once again, to give away the entire film, this is literally the ending shot, because we know Nightmare Alley, that's the name of the film. He's probably going to end up as the geek character, right? And now we know how they entice them into doing these things. Okay, so he doesn't ever drink, literally ever, because his father was an alcoholic. The therapist fucks with him enough that he becomes an alcoholic himself and ends up in Nightmare Alley territory. But instead, he goes to the freak show, and the guy that owns it now, it's not Willem Dafoe anymore, the guy that owns the show now basically does the same exact thing. He's like, hey, we need a geek, and he gives him a drink and all of this stuff, and Bradley Cooper knows exactly what's going on. And he just like laughs and goes, yep, I've been waiting to do that job my whole life type thing, and it's, I mean, it's creepy and the fact that he's so ready for it but at the same time I feel like once again it was let down on the horror yeah I don't know I guess I wasn't really expecting anything or like expecting horror because this is a remake from 1947 I did not know that yep of a noir drama 
so I guess maybe knowing that, like, I wasn't really expecting necessarily any horror aspect. I was just expecting Del Toro. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and his, like, just fucking signature, like, beauty and weirdness attached to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I thought the ending was really satisfying because it was like this huge climb and then this illustrious fall, mm-hmm. which he had been told was going to happen the whole time. Right. And deserved. Mm-hmm. It's like at first you were kind of rooting for him to make it, but he's just try- been trying to be a piece of shit the whole time anyway. Yeah. Because he actually did feel bad for the geek at some point and even tried to help him. Yeah. But but now he's just another one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and Willem Dafoe was really great in this, too. I mean, he's am- he's always amazing, but yeah. Yeah. This was definitely, like, it was a really stunning film. It definitely felt long. I do actually want to watch it again. Like, I don't right. know. Like, I feel like a lot of people would maybe this would be a one-time watch through like I definitely feel like you know when you're watching every character on the screen you're immediately drawn to them and then when somebody else comes on you're drawn to them and it was really well done like this cast together was it was stunning like Kate Blanchett every time she was on screen I was just like oh, I want to be her she's a bad bitch you know agreed and for me I think the 1920s type freak shows are fascinating so i loved that aspect of it yeah yeah same like with the electrical show and how they did that and when they were talking about it yeah yeah it's very interesting and i also was kind of reading like del toro has issues getting funding for his films like that amazes me why yeah like what the fuck yeah, he has trouble getting films made. Like, people giving him money. And I'm like, give him all the money. Yeah, what Are you shit? serious? Every single one of his films is highly rated. This has a 79% from critics and a 62% from audiences as it stands right now, first weekend out. And I could see this film being pretty divisive and it still has those high ratings. Yeah, because even as I'm sitting here telling you guys things that I feel like they let fall, I still loved this film. It's still Me Del too. Toro. It's still gorgeous. Amazingly acted all of it beautiful i really enjoyed the story too it was very captivating Mm -hmm. it was like when i was watching it i was even if it was like i said a slow burn i was still very hooked on the story of like what was going to happen i was very anxious about what he was doing and i wanted to be like fucking stop you know i wanted to be very involved with these characters so for me personally like it gets a four out of five yeah, I honestly probably give it a 5 out of 5. For me, it's not horror, but I've always loved period pieces, and it brings the freak show aspect into it for me, and it's still Toro, like 5 out of 5. Gorgeous. Yeah, so I definitely recommend going to see it as long as you understand what you're getting yourself into. It's definitely a noir drama period piece. It's not horror. Yeah. Like, it just, it just isn't. But it is Del Toro, and as a horror fan, you have to appreciate... Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to show up for anything he does, like I said. Exactly. Like, as soon as I knew Del Toro was bringing something out end of December, then I was like, we have to go. I'm going. <laughs> also, it's competing with Spider-Man's opening weekend, so go give it some love, you know? Yeah. I also, know it's not opening weekend anymore, so 
but still. Yeah, but then it also, it's even better because you get the theater basically to yourself, which is always great. That is true, yeah. It's just sad because, like, there's a, y'all remember the movie The Holiday with, like, Kate Winslet and, like, Cameron Diaz, the Jack Black and Jude Law, the Christmas movie from, like, the early 2000s. Did you ever no. see that one? Have you ever no. seen that? No. Okay. That's one of my guilty pleasures. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I don't I don't watch a lot of rom-coms, but I like, I like that one. But... There's a character that plays an old Hollywood producer or screenwriter, excuse me, and he talks about like now if a movie doesn't make it on the opening weekend, it's basically written off, and that's kind of true. Mm-hmm. Like is. if it flops opening weekend, it doesn't even matter what it does at the box office while it's there. It's like opening weekend if it doesn't make it, flop, and then that's sad. Like it is, but I also feel like these. <laughs> This like in between set of few years with COVID is probably going to be a little different in history as well. Like they probably won't judge that as harshly because I'm sure there's still lots of people who just don't want to go out to the theater, and it's only in theaters. Yeah, I was gonna say. Plus, Marvel's always gonna draw their people no matter what point of history it's that we're in. So Fuck Marvel, I'm so done with goddamn superhero movies. I like Spider Man. I've always loved Spider Man. But I never finish any of the Avengers movies or anything. Like, I don't have a particular hate or disdain for them. I just don't particularly, you know, eh. They're all the same, and they've had their time. Can we move on to something else again? Another genre? I'm over it. But the money. And that's why it'll keep going, because capitalism. Yeah. I do like Spider-Man, though. And, I, and it's because it started, it was like one of the very first ones where Sony came out with the Peter Parker one in like 2004 with James Franco and Willem Dafoe. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Did you see that one back in the day? Mm-hmm. So good. I like Andrew Garfield a lot better. He's my favorite. He was good. I do like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm not here to talk about Spider-Man. Go see Nightmare Alley. Go support Del Toro. It's an amazing film. Hopefully he can get more funding for shit like this because I really enjoyed it and he can keep doing also his horror stuff. I hope he's doing stuff in 2022. I haven't heard anything, but you keep up with more newsy stuff in the community than I do. Yeah, things are coming out pretty slow. I feel like directors and creators are still trying to wait till COVID's over and it's, you know, at this point, might as well start bringing them out. That's fair. You know, like if I was a creator, I'd want people to see my shit. You don't work for like a year on something for it to go to the box office and then Nobody want to go to the movies, but right. I think we'll that's the see. only reason Scream is actually going because they realize that people are going to go see Scream. Like, period. It was like Halloween Kills. Like, people were going to go see it. Is Scream going to stream? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I really hope. Like, I get it. I know theaters amazing. We love them. We want to support them. But also, I don't want the Omicron variant, which is has an R not value of like 20. You yeah. Know? I'm pregnant now and really just sounds terrible. Sounds like hell to get sick while pregnant. I mean, I can't take anything. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, hopefully scream comes out on streaming. Cause otherwise we might be going to a movie on a Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're just fine. But anyways, go see Nightmare Alley. Four out of five from me. Five out of five from Chris. And obviously, we loved it. Thank you to Del Toro. And thank you guys so much for being here. You can find us all over social media. Everything is the Exorcisters podcast except for Twitter, which is at the Exorcisters. And if you would like, of course, you can join us on our Patreon. It is patreon.com slash the Exorcisters podcast. 
Until next time, stay creepy.